0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Making Stuff Better podcast, where we aim to share knowledge and learning and spark curiosity in improving the health and care experienced by the people of Leeds. This is within the context of local care partnerships, which is the term used in Leeds to describe our model of joined up working to deliver local care for local people. Local care partnerships recognise that decisions made locally about people should involve the local community. Local care partnerships cover the whole of Leeds, one for every person, and build on the strengths and extensive history of collaboration in the city to realise some of the most exciting person-centred transformations in health and care. Each local care partnership includes statutory organisations such as Leeds Community Healthcare Trust, General Practice and the Leeds and York Partnership Foundation Trust. They also include representation from the third sector and community groups, elected members, alongside local people and tailored to the local need and the features of that particular community. But why should we do this? Well it's the right thing to do. George Winder, a GP at Oakwood Lane Surgery, wants to make the easiest thing the right thing to do. This isn't always about creating new services This is very much about identifying and working with the community assets that we find across the city, recognising that the population of each local care partnership is different and requires different ways to tackle health inequalities and the impact of the wider social determinants on the people in that place. This podcast will aim to hear from a diverse range of voices from across the city and we will explore why our guests are working in and with their communities. My name is Graham Hyde, and I am the host of this podcast. Okay, our guest for this episode of the Making Stuff Better podcast is Tony Cook. Chief Officer for Health Partnerships at Leeds City Council. Um, and one of the things we'll, we'll explore today is uh, part of Tony's team's responsibilities producing the health and wellbeing strategy for the city. So, uh, welcome, Tony.
1: Yeah, thanks, Graham. Great, Great to be here. here.
0: Thank you. Um, so, first of all, um, could you uh, just tell me a little more about yourself and the role that you and your team play in the city?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as, as Graham, uh, as you've just said there, my role is uh, Chief Officer for Health Partnerships. Uh, there's many things that, that sit under my wing, uh, you know, everything from the health and wellbeing strategy, uh, as you mentioned, uh, helping shape engagement with the universities and academia through the uh, Academic Health Partnership, uh, working on things like the Joint Strategic assessment. Um, particularly important at the moment is, is the integration agenda uh, and a number of my team work on that. Uh, making sure elected members uh, and local politicians uh, are, are engaged and uh, help uh, influence uh, obviously all the health and well-being strategy and things. Uh, and then obviously in, in COVID we've been doing a huge amount of, uh, of work uh, on things like the vaccine programme, uh, the shielding programme, uh, supporting the, 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 uh, the gold uh, command structures that we've got in place as well. Uh, so my my background uh, is is primarily public health, um, but I guess I've ah uh, I've flitted between local government and the NHS for the best part of 20 years. Yeah. Uh, so I guess
0: partnerships is, uh, is is something I I've done for done for a while now. Fantastic. Thanks for that. Um, so so the word partnership conjures up some in, images. So what benefits can you see to working in a collaborative way in Leeds?
1: Yeah, I mean, huge, hugely important uh, question for all of us. And and I think, you know, a number of us over the years have, have given a massive amount of lip service to partnerships and, and collaboration and integration. Um, and I think there's been a number of, of, of projects, you know, particularly around things like uh, digital, for example, uh, some of the integrated teams that we've got across health and social care. But it's probably only been in the last two or three years that I think absolutely everybody has woken up to the, Importance of a of a seamless service. I think people out there in the community, they actually expect, you know, that our, our primary care services work really closely with our hospitals, you know, our social care services work really closely with our third sector. Um, but we've we've talked the talk. We've not always got it in got it in hand and and, and delivered it. I think, but I think particularly probably the COVID period, uh, you know, has, has has meant that we've had no choice. You know, we for example we've set up thirty two community hubs. Uh, across the city in you know a, a hugely um, rapid pace um, you know we've had to to, to, to integrate uh, a digital approach into into all our primary care into all our practices uh, really rapidly uh, we've had to integrate community services uh, with hospital services uh, and as I say even though there were some really good examples of, of of us working together and our strategies held up integration as being you know sort of the paramount um, priority. We've absolutely had to put it into practice really rapidly in the, in the COVID period. So I think the benefits are there for everyone to see. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of people, patients, service users um, getting a better seamless service, um, getting seen more quickly, uh, making sure our pathways are not overly complex uh, and ultimately bringing together um, groups of people uh, around the same table, which I guess is what local care partnerships uh, are all about in the city.
0: Absolutely. So, do you see that that actually the the COVID pandemic was a, I don't know a bit of a a kick up the backside for for the integration agenda? It created a need and ah and you've you've mentioned about things were set up at a rapid pace. Do you think do you think we would we would be where we are now and the level of integration? Obviously, there's loads more to do without COVID. COVID sort of helped, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think undoubtedly it did. I think we've done a lot of work over the years um, on on the culture. Absolutely no question with things like system leadership uh, at senior level. And as I say, there are some good specific examples of of, of work uh, in the community around services around health and homelessness, for example, uh, housing support, substance misuse, where we've done really good integrated models, but it perhaps wasn't as widespread as we'd always. Uh, always wanted, but I think because we got the culture in place, particularly at senior lead, senior leadership level, through things like the health and wellbeing board, the partnership executive group, and particularly on the ground, some of the local care partnership work, I think it made it made made us made it a lot easier for us to, you know, to do that work going further faster. Um, you know, particularly some of the focus on things like uh, digital and bringing together health and economy. Um, you know, some of the areas that I think maybe in, in, in other districts they've had real problems um, with around, sort of, for example, um, you know, probably you, really good examples of the vaccine programme. Um, you know, not only did we get a, a really strong group of people together at leadership level, what we were also able to do, you know, when we had to recruit a number of people into Um, posts in in a a new team we had to set up immediately, we worked really closely with uh, the Leeds Health and Care Academy, uh, with the Council's Employment and Skills Service, um, and we were able to get people into some of those roles who'd recently been made uh, redundant or who weren't eligible for furlough, um, and you know really doing a good job of bringing together some really coherent proposals that I think impacted not only on services, uh, but also open the door to maybe some people and communities that we're not always talked
0: to. Mm-hmm. And do you think there's a lot to do? So, so that example that you're given there about the really strong relationships between between and inside organisations in Leeds, which which has been, I think, has been, you know, that like the the golden thread for for many years. So,
1: yeah, I think what what we've always been good at in Leeds, I think, is is drafting really strong strategies which which give a really good sense of I think of where we're going and 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 what the end point perhaps is you know so bringing together health and economy I think has been one of those things that that we've done a really really good job of I mean particularly on on some of the agendas around innovation and as I've mentioned on on digital um but I it, that hasn't always permeated, I think, to to the through middle management and to the front line, even though we've attempted to do that quite frequently. But I think you know, in in, in COVID, I think because we had a lot of senior managers around the same table, I think particularly because we had um, a lot of third sector colleagues around all, particularly all the bronze meetings that we had. You know, meetings around um, PPE, around around the shielding program, around how we develop community approaches, uh, as well as all the particular. Uh, NHS and local authority uh, meetings, I think it really helped us to, to go with real depth into, into particular communities, uh, particularly in some of the inner cities where maybe there was a little bit of doubt around statutory services and, and what our purpose was. Things like the community Communities of Interest Network uh, really helped us, I think. I think the fact that we'd maybe done things like like the big leads chat previously had really warmed up a lot of those third sector and, and community groups. So we were rapidly able to to, to engage early on in, in in COVID but I think on the on the health and economy stuff there's a really good understanding in Leeds that that health isn't just driven by what we do in the health service and in social care and in public health but actually by whether or not people has got you know people have got a decent job what their housing status is some of the family issues have they got concerns about about children um you know sort of safety in neighborhoods all that stuff really which really drives how people feel about themselves their communities and their their health and I think because we had a lot of those networks up and in place we were able to call on them quite rapidly uh, and give them all really clear roles in COVID and hopefully you know that that really needs to to continue because we've seen a huge number of inequalities we're already aware of them but you know they're really manifesting in, in COVID you know you look around uh, vaccine uptake for example it's a you know significantly lower in some of the inner city um, wards and in, in some of the uh, communities that are obviously uh, undergoing certain challenges
0: yeah absolutely and so where do you see local care partnerships fitting with the health and wellbeing strategy for Leeds um, essentially how can how can the local care partnerships have kind of helped to translate that strategy and and you know stuff on a piece of paper into action
1: yeah, I mean, that's an absolutely key question, isn't it? And, and, and for me, the LCPs in each area are, are almost like mini health and wellbeing boards. You know, they've got the right people around the table. Um, you know, obviously, primary care and, and, and all the doctors and nurses that are involved there, practice staff, absolutely central. Mm-hmm. Social care staff been working closely with um, primary care, obviously, for a number of years. Uh, and there's been public health input as well, but I think the the, the LCP model is, is 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 absolutely fantastic because it brings into each one of those LCPs uh, local councillors um and they've got excellent community knowledge particularly knowledge about what services and third sector organizations are working in and around those areas the opportunities for volunteering the links that they've got with things like colleagues in housing also in employment uh, employment services as well so you know you've got two of the main community voices in there you know you've got your gp uh, hugely knowledgeable about healthy practice staff also knowledgeable about their communities and then elected members who can bring another voice in as well and i think where we've seen you know some of the the, the excellent progress in, in in some lcps you know when you look at the work in and around oakwood lane i guess is a classic example you know a huge number of third sector organizations and small volunteer groups that circumnavigate that practice that are around the table you know upstairs in in, in the surgery um you know we've got a whole load of community events you know in the likewise in places like the reginald center you know they've got the or is it the knitting groups and the the drop and drop in for drug and alcohol service users uh, the Ratt library facility a number of community options for people as well you know so i guess if someone's going into a gp practice and they've got i don't know work-related stress or low level anxiety and depression it's good for the practice to be able to refer to those community services really. So it's about, as you've indicated, really great that they've got knowledge of what the strategy might be and what we're trying to do in Leeds. You know, at that big picture level, that population health level, But the key thing is, is actually getting pragmatic things in place that can drive change in neighbourhoods. And I think referring those people uh, that need that level of support into services where they can maybe volunteer or to get employment advice if they've recently been made unemployed or if they've got issues with damp housing or overcrowding or anxiety and depression, that they've got someone to talk to over and above the GPs who's often obviously time constrained i think in the medium term that will really help us as a city get to grips with you know what we need to do in in communities and and maybe narrow some of those health inequalities that you know we're all very familiar with
0: yeah sure and i wondered you know we from what what i'm hearing we are we we're, we're doing some absolutely amazing and groundbreaking stuff here in leeds but how do you how do you spread that knowledge across, you know, let's say West Yorkshire, or you know, across the region? Are you kind of highlighting and showcasing leads to, to other places?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, one, one of the roles of my team is to uh, is, is to engage with colleagues in West Yorkshire, across the other um, local authorities, but also with the uh, integrated care system, so the West Yorkshire and Harrogate Health and Care Partnership. Uh, and one of the great things about, about that is, you know, it's, it's got a focus on primacy of place, so it doesn't overly interfere in what's going on in, in local areas and local neighbourhoods. But what it is able to do uh, is to understand what, what the best practice is in each area. Uh, and one of the things that we've put forward has been the work in, in, in local care partnerships. Um, but likewise, you know, our, our colleagues in, in, in Calderdale have got a similar model, Calderdale Cares. We've learned a lot from them, actually, about, about their approach. Um, you know colleagues in Bradford uh, you know they've got all sorts of things going off the Bolton Bradford scheme. Yeah. Uh, the Healthy Hearts program which we've now replicated across the patch. Um, you know and likewise uh, Wakefield and, and Kirkley's also got some excellent services so one of the beauties of the, the, the West Yorkshire approach really is that bringing everyone together and, 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 and learning from each other's successors. Um, so I would guess you could characterize the, the West Yorkshire and Harrogate approach um, in many ways is, is almost a big health and Wellbeing board, really, but bringing yeah. together a sense of, of what's working well in each area. Then each place has got its, its, its local strategy, so the health and well-being strategy, obviously. Um, for Leeds, uh, we get sister strategy in and around inclusive growth and work on climate and how we bring those things together. And then understanding how that translates into what works on the ground. Um, and the key thing now, I think this has been a theme run through, this, hasn't it really, is, is how we affect real change. And how we make those strategies real um, which is obviously the integration agenda and and remodeling and redesigning pathways and approaches to populations but it's also getting evidence-based practical examples of how we can improve health in in neighborhoods Um, you know i think as i've said we've got a number of examples around uh, for example employment support around mental health uh, the community hubs uh, and, and many of the third sector um services that, that show real progress i mean the neighborhood networks for example is a another example of how working in neighborhoods and uh involving the third sector and community organizations can affect real change but again one point i would, would bring out with a lot of this is it's, it's, it's really important that that we design approaches that are rooted in the evidence but that we give them a chance to to deliver um, and you know we can't affect change overnight and much as we've try to do that we've covid and we've got services to people we've got food to people through the shielding program and all this kind of stuff those inequalities are still there and we need to continue working on them in coming years and i guess my ultimate point is L- lcps are a fantastic tool for us to be able to to do that and to understand what works well in each each local area
0: yeah and you know i, I- being a being a bit of a data person as you as you know, you know, looking at the looking at the data and the measures that, you know, there's loads of data. And actually those health inequalities are getting wider from the, you know, from the the most deprived to the least deprived. That gap is getting wider. So how how will we know as a city or a or a local care partnership or a you know a, a health and wellbeing strategy, how are we going to know that we're making stuff better? Because yeah. actually, I think it's fair to say we're making stuff a bit worse at the moment, you know with the with the gaps widening. So how do we know we're making stuff better?
1: Yeah, and you know we, we, well, the first point is is we need to be absolutely clear the extent of the challenge. you know we've had ten years um you know of austerity uh, now, and what we've seen uh, unquestionably um, is is we've had an increase in the number of people living in the poorest deciles in Leeds, you know, it's gone from uh, 19% in 2010 um, to the last measurement. uh, 24% of of, of people in Leeds obviously live in the poorest decile as measured by the index of multiple deprivation. So, you know, we know we can't be an island of progress. Um, You know, in, in, in a country where certain things unfortunately around, particularly around life expectancy, are going backwards. Um, but I think one thing that, that we are able to do is look at what the evidence increasingly is telling us, and to use that in a really systemic manner. So, you know, two of the things that came out, you know, over the last year or so, is at the start of the uh, pandemic, uh, was obviously the the ten year update on the on the Marmot review, um, and then that was updated in the Build Back Fairer document. And, and what that document really clearly states. Um, is is that lots of places, including the country as a whole, haven't quite got it right yet in terms of um, early year support, for example, you know, the importance of the first few years um, of of childhood, the preschool years and the amount of support we may need to to put in there, the importance of adverse childhood experience uh, and understanding that we need to put in uh, interventions in place um, to prevent some of those issues, but in particular, as people, you know, age and, you know, we see a number of cohort effects in the city from previous generations, there's no question around long term conditions, but what we've got to do is, is is to try and make sure those those new generations of people in the city um, get the right approach, the right services, but also they've got the right skills to, to manage in the modern world, you know, around resilience, around education, uh, so I think that's key. That came out really strongly in, in, in Marmot. Yeah. I think at the other end, uh, obviously we've got the healthy aging agenda. We need to do far more uh, on that. leader has got a great strategy. It's got some great interventions in place, but we still got a burgeoning of uh, long term conditions, you know, in that in, in that population between 45 and 65. Um, so healthy aging is a, a, an absolutely key issue. Uh, and then I guess in between, Uh, those young people and those older people. We've got the working age population. Um, I'm really understanding and and drilling down around the importance of managing their mental health, their health in the workplace, um, and a number of the issues um, that we have made progress on, such as smoking uh, and obesity uh, and alcohol use and misuse, are all issues undoubtedly we need to make further progress on, I think, as well. So I think we know that the evidence is there. Um, I think the challenge is, is, is um, obviously having the resources sometimes to, you know, to, to, to scale up some of the projects that we've got that have worked. Um, you know, Leeds has got some great services, um, you know, in and around public health, but they don't always hit as many people as we'd like. Um, you know, we've, we've not got the, the scale maybe to uh, develop really targeted inter- interventions in communities uh, at times. Um, so we need to understand how to do things slightly differently, how to, I guess, galvanise communities, you know, use all our assets pushing in the same direction. Um, our third sector, uh, hugely important, uh, and maybe make sure everyone's pushing the same, same buttons, really, because unfortunately, you know, we don't have the money to, to throw hundreds of thousands of pounds at, at some of these problems like, you know, maybe we've had uh, in the past. So, yeah, there's a huge number of things to do. Um, and I think we've got an increasing sense of of, of what works but actually it, it's making sure we've all got the focus on maybe a a small number of absolutely key things as a city and I think that's probably you know you ch- know children's health um healthy aging and, and then some of the the tools and techniques we've got to better manage populations and particularly mental health in the working age population I guess is coming out as a huge issue for us post-covid yeah sure uh, the issue around health and unemployment and employment.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much. Okay, um, so we're we're probably coming to the end of of this uh, episode, and I like to leave our vast listenership with uh, a big question from our our guest. So, so what would your big question be? Um,
1: that's a really good 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 question, uh, Graham. I think. If we're honest, you know, we, we, we had a real challenge in Covid. It's, it's been a hugely stressful period for, you know, many of our our, our frontline staff and obviously for, for, for the people themselves. You know, probably everyone knows someone who's uh, not only caught Covid, but either been hospitalised or, or, or worse, really. Um, so for me, you know, the, the response of the system has been absolutely brilliant across the piece. Um, But I think it's been challenging so far, I think for all of us, it's it's how we build really resilient, um, probably services, but also communities as well that are able to better withstand the next crisis, you know. You know, we've we've been in a very turbulent period, I think, you know, not just in the COVID period, but I guess economically with, you know, things like Brexit and, and, and some of the other challenges that we've had around you know, the austerity period and and, and the challenges that have been brought up by the Marmot review. And I think, you know, how we build people's resilience, um, the resilience of themselves as individuals, but also in the family group and in the communities that they live in, um, I think will be increasingly important for us. So I don't think any of us have got the answer individually in, in, you know, whether you're in the council, the NHS or the third sector, or indeed in, in, in the private sector, but how we come together and understand how to build, Resilient communities.
0: Um, I think that would be the thing I'd, I'd leave you with, uh, Graham. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. Right. We will leave it there. And uh, thank you very much for your valuable time and uh, been really interesting. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Graham. Great to talk.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast you have already found it but please do like subscribe and share the podcast is available on a range of platforms including spotify apple music and google podcasts you might like to take a look at some of the stuff that local care partnerships are already involved with on the webpage www.inspiringchangeleads.org/local-care- partnerships. Thank you.